You know what's really hard? Making friends as an adult. Now, I remember how naturally making friends came for me. And I admit, I was and probably still am a bit of a social butterfly. But I was really a social butterfly in my college and early 20s. And the older I get and the more life piles on my plate, the harder it is to build authentic and meaningful connection and friendship. But let's be honest, how much do we all crave the level of buffoonery and closeness we all had with our best friends from childhood, high school, college, and for some of us, even our early adult years? The ability to stay up until the wee hours of the night, being so vulnerable and honest with those friends, laughing, spending countless hours doing nothing, but feeling so close doing nothing. That was the stuff of the good life. Now those moments are so far and in between. If you're like me, a lot of my closest friends don't live near me. The people that I have spent building years and years of connection with. So I get little pockets or little moments of joy when I get to spend time with those friends. I think we all ache for those times, those friendships, those moments. But then life just happens, right? We get jobs, some of us start families and have children or have pets or elderly folks to take care of, or maybe our job responsibilities, our need to recharge and find time to decompress eats into our very limited time to build community. And not to mention how different community looks than what we might've experienced growing up. For me, I was surrounded by other Malayali Christian immigrants and those friends, those kids, some of those bonds have lasted me a lifetime. Either way, even if you're the most introverted, recluse person on the planet, we all desire to have a little bit of community. And having that community can make the difference in having a life that we enjoy and having support when life can get, well, kind of messy. Why is it so hard to make friends as an adult? Is that really fine? Hey, I'm Rachel, and this is the It's Fine Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Bob Matthew. The reason I'm interviewing him today, because I don't often bring on male-identifying guests... I have the fortunate experience of watching Bob, alongside some pretty awesome folks, build an incredible community of Malayali American friends here in Austin that Charles and I get to be a part of. This group started out kind of small, but now is upwards of almost 100 people. I just think it's really cool that Bob is building this type of community, and I wanted all of us to learn from it. On this episode, we'll talk about why we shouldn't be afraid to initiate and invite. Why expanding our friendship circles can help support the other key relationships in our life. How friendship can evolve with competing priorities. And how to build ethnic community and share your cultural identity with your friends. Are you ready? Let's get into it. You are a little bit of a unicorn because, one, I think it's really hard to build community as an adult, first and foremost. But then I also think it's like abnormally weird that you are building community as a man. I don't feel like men are as invested, right, when it comes to building community and like thinking about what does it look like to have friendship as an adult? I often look at my spouse at Charles and I'm like, 
oh my God, I am literally the only person you talk to about things. <laughs> that feels like a problem. Let's talk about initiating because I feel like that is hard to do, right? Especially as you get older. And I I'm curious, like, how have you taken the steps to initiate? Because people carry a lot of, I think, perceptions about what people are willing to do and like what they handle. And then especially like a new layer on people get married, they have children, whatever, right? What does initiation look like for you? To me, it's a mix of both. Like it is like a factor of not overthinking. You know, that certainly plays a part because if you know me, you know, I'm very like, sometimes I'm impulsive when it comes to inviting and initiating. Sometimes I'm just like, mm. oh, we're going here. Oh, let's just invite these people. Let's see if they're free. Whereas other friends I have that are more cautious about inviting people they might be like oh my god i gotta think through this we had to really plan ahead of time we can't just invite people last second on the spot can't be spontaneous like sometimes my wife will even say that she'll be like what if they're not free i'm just yeah. like what's the worst they can say like they'll just say no and i feel like once you're becoming uh, okay with the aspect of hearing no it just becomes okay you know like it becomes like easier to accept the aspect of initiating and inviting and i think that's probably where it's hard for a lot of us as adults is we're sometimes afraid of hearing no from our friends or no from our loved ones. And we're afraid that if we take that step out and be vulnerable, especially if you're not used to inviting people and you're not used to initiating gatherings, like it might seem like a huge hurdle for you to be like, hey, you want to come over Saturday night? We're having a game night or you want to go grab lunch after church or what are you doing this Thursday night? Like it might seem like a hurdle to take that step. And then what if they say no? Like sometimes we, I feel like that's a hurdle for all mental block for all of us, you know, but I feel like I got over that and like, I just, I guess I've heard no enough times to where it just rolls off my back. It's just like, whatever. Oh, so you're not free. You're not free. If you are free, it's my job to invite. And it's, if you want to show up, you'll be blessed. You'll have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have a good time for sure. I mean, we'll have like... a great time together, but if you're busy and you have life going on, that's totally understandable. Let not that invite be the thing that holds you back from coming how did you get comfortable with the no i think that's a very legitimate concern for people like and that honestly i think holds people back from wanting to build community i'm more like you let's just be real i'm more like <laughs> bob in the sense that i'm not that afraid of like building community I, I enjoy building community and that's been a big part of my life and i like to create a space where people feel safe in our home and it comes naturally to me and i think bob and i probably identify as extroverts yes. and so you think like this is natural, right? This is more natural for us. And so you're probably like, why am I listening to this? These two extroverts are like talking about how it, it's so easy for them to make friends. But I think what you talked on a bit was the no, right? And extrovert or introvert, we all experience this no from people. And I think like oftentimes when we hear no or when people maybe set boundaries on their time or their energy or whatever, we, we think that's a reflection on us or like the relationship yeah. or whatever. Your identity can't be tied to whether people say yes or no anyway. I love community. I do love gatherings. I love initiating. I love inviting. But my friends will hear and the people that I gather with us frequently will say there are a lot of times they can't come out to things. Sometimes people are always like, oh man, your Instagram story, like, I saw you had another gathering last weekend. But those people in those stories, like a lot of them half the time do say no. And we don't have as many gatherings as sometimes we want to have. Like we do try to initiate a lot, but sometimes the no's are there because life, we're all busy, right? And sometimes we have to say no to the gatherings too, right? So I feel like our identity shouldn't be tied to whether it happens or not, or whether the amount of people that's with us. Oh man, my, my gang is deep. I roll deep. There's always like 20 people around me at all times, or even 10 or five people. It's not always like that, right? So once you get comfortable with that, no, once you get comfortable being vulnerable with that and accepting that, hey, it's not a reflection, like you said, of who we are, like we're just 
trying to create community. We're trying to create interactions and like we're trying to create opportunities for us to grow as friends, right? Because once you become an adult, it's so much harder, right? To make friends and to initiate gatherings and to hang out with people and to foster those like relationships. So I feel once you remember that it's not tied to who you are, that we have value apart from this. I think it's particularly interesting to think about it from where you are in your life stage. And I know that you have a wife and a daughter and you have a job, all these things in your life. How would you describe like what your community looks like? Who are the people there? Who are do you feel like you're able to connect deeply with? Right. Mm -hmm. And what has that meant for you? It's important to have these people in your life, right? Whether it's people you see frequently or it could be people like somewhere else that you grew up with it doesn't have to always just be community that you're around like proximity though the proximity does matter and it helps make it easier to have that genuine bond just like when we're back in school the proximity is what makes us be friends right with our school friends mm -hmm. and college friends and church friends but as you get older i find that a lot of us have moved around right like i originally came from i was in new york and then i was in atlanta and i still have friendships and relationships with people from those regions that I still carry and as important to this day, you know, so there are times throughout the week when I'm also on the phone, like I'm initiating phone calls to people back home that I love, like my brother, my cousins, like my big bro slash mentor who's like one of my best men too. His name is Scott. Like I call people like this, like frequently throughout the week, maybe not every week, but every other week or every third week, at least just to touch base and just to check in on them and see how they're doing. Does that consider people like that my foundation? And yes, we're here in Austin and we're, we are building relationships here, but it's important to have like people that you call your rock, like whether it's here in, pro in, in close proximity or people back home where you grew up. This is going to sound funny when I say it. I liked that you didn't necessarily mention your wife in that group of people <laughs> when we talked about community. That's not a diss on you at all. No, I'm not even going to lie to you. Because if you asked me that same question, I'd be like, yeah, like my best friend Sue and my friend Adrian and my friend Delia and Divya. These people that I grew up with, my sister, like these are my core support systems. And I have personally found that obviously Charles, my spouse, is my core support system. But I think that in order to have a functioning relationship a functioning life you can't put all your eggs in one basket like you can't expect your spouse or your partner or like anyone really right if you're a single person or you know whatever that one person can fill your cup right exactly. and meet the needs of whatever it is that you're going through like i can go to my friend sue relationally for certain things versus sometimes i'll go to my friend divya who has more experience than me because she's a little bit older than me we can have these connections but then also thrive in our relationships and i think that sometimes we forget that like even like our partners they they can't do that for us and i am curious like how has having this community right like these like kind of core group of people that you had mentioned right impacted your relationships whether that be with your wife or your daughter or even just like in the community that you're creating in austin let me backtrack a little bit my wife is the most important relationship in my life <laughs> Clarification. <laughs> Clarification. Do not edit this out. <laughs> my wife is the most important person in my life. I do talk to her more than I talk to anyone else. So yes, I'm a big advocate for community and building up your circles and like reaching out to people you grew up with and things like that. But your spouse obviously is a person that you should talk to the most. And it is for me. Like I talk to her every day. So it matters to me, but it also matters to her. She also knows, like you said, your spouse can't fill your whole cup, right? So she also knows yeah. it's important to me. 
So she's also like, hey, do your thing. If you want to invite people yeah. this Saturday, do your thing. Hey, you, you want to call your cousins? Do that. Like she knows it's not solely on her to fill my cup. She plays a big role in my life. She's my wife. She's my biggest support system. And so is my daughter. I feel like I want her to see the impact of community in my life as well and in her life. Just like my parents raised us and there was always people at our house and things like that. I feel like it takes a village, right? That's what everyone says about raising kids. And it truly does. I want her to feel that village experience that we had growing up. I want Celine to see, you know, hey, you know, she's surrounded by community that she has loved, that she has value, that, you know, there are a bunch of people in her life and in her parents' life that are rooting for her, that love her, that are supporting her. And that's just something I want to implement in our household. Can you talk to me a little bit about how friendship has evolved for you as you've gone from being in your 20s to like where you are today? In my 20s and when I had less maybe commitments or just like diff I was in a different place in my life, like the community or like the amount of people around me was much larger, right? And so I was living in New York in like the, like the pivotal moment of my 20s. And then at that time, I had lots of friends and lots of different groups. And I was like a lot more flexible. I was bopping around, like trying to meet people, do things, whatever. And then as I, when I got married, I realized like there were certain relationships that were really important to me. And so for me, when I looked at my life, because I think there's this balance between building community and also yeah. the energy that you have as like an adult person. And that energy varies, right? I would say like my energy and ability to create connection with people, like that's something that actually gives me energy. It yeah, energizes yeah. me, but it doesn't necessarily do that for everybody. And so at different seasons of my life, I've had to uh, evaluate like what energy and like how much can I put into that, right? So when I got married, like my relationship with my spouse was really important has and has continued to evolve because at different stages of our marriage, like we need to be more present with each other. And then the people that like were important to him became important to me, right? And then I noticed that like my circle of like close connections, people that you were describing, the people that like you want to check in with regularly and talk to often like that, what might have been like texting every day, it turned into a call once a week, yeah. which called to a turn to a call every three months. Like you said, priorities change in each season, right? And as you get married, your, sp uh, your spouse becomes a priority, your family life, creating new routines. Hey, what does our family look like? That becomes a priority, right? So yeah, it's totally fine with like community taking a backseat in that regard and not reaching out to the same friends as frequently, like maybe not every day, maybe it's every other week. As priorities change, that'll change with each season. But I feel like that's where as we get older, I feel like we also get better at scheduling. Our calendars yeah. get more full. We're going to get more, we're get more organized as we get older. I feel like back then we could just wing it and be like, oh, Saturday night. Yeah, I'm free. I'll, I'll be there. Like Friday night. Yeah, I'll be there. Ask me Friday morning. Yeah, maybe I'll still be there. But <laughs> as we get older, especially for me, I feel like maybe for you too, calendaring and putting things in their proper place, like knowing what your outline looks like for the week, you know, like knowing on Monday what you have going on a Saturday night helps a lot right nowadays. You know, so definitely scheduling social time, you know, setting uh, aside special times during the week for that. So for us, like Saturday nights is usually the time we have community time now, you know, so mm -hmm. we have a group now in this current season that we all go to church together. We have a Saturday service at 4 p.m. So we all go to the 4 p.m. on Saturday and then we all gather together after church uh, in the evening at our house. So it's like our own mini gathering. Yeah, maybe it's not like as big as some of the events we've had in the past, but it's a solid group of 5, 10, 15 sometimes. So I feel like it's definitely like right now in the past few months, that's been like our go-to for that, you know, is that, that setting aside Saturday nights 
for that community time. But in some seasons, like you've seen in the group chat that we have, like we have big gatherings, right? We have NBA finals gatherings. We have Super Bowl gatherings. We have a Friendsgiving coming up that's planned for next month, right? We had Ornum uh, gathering this past um, two months ago or last month. We have a Christmas mm-hmm. gathering planned. So, so some of these months will have big gatherings. We also schedule like our little gatherings as well just to set aside some time each week. You know, that's not family time. Because I tell my wife all the time, I'm just like, man, okay, these three nights, these four nights, like we'll do our own family thing. You know, this night yeah. is the community night. And that's the way we structure it, right? That way it's like clear and communication. Um, because there have been times like, you know, early on where it's like it can get too out of whack. We can schedule too many things. And then like our marriage starts getting affected and it's, oh, shoot, like, hey, when are we going to have some us time? Like, we yeah. can't have four hangouts in five days. Like, we have to pull it back <laughs> a little. <laughs> oh, my Bob, we are literally the same in that regard because like, so this is why I think it's so important to like know thyself, but also know like also the person that you might be spending the most time with because my Charles is like, he can handle like one social function a week. <laughs> okay. And like, otherwise, like, he only wants to hang out with me. And like, I don't know, maybe he sees me as like, it's not work to spend time with me. <laughs> and then like, it's like me and pickles. And this is our life, right? Like, it's so initially, I think that's something that I had to learn in my marriage too, which mm-hmm. is I can't be scheduling like a hangout every day of the weekend for sure because it'll drain him socially and then that obviously impacts him mentally emotionally and also just like our relationship for sure but i want to just go back to this point around like scheduling and like that intentionality Mm -hmm. because in my experience too i found and when i think about my life like where i was always out and making friends and doing these things right like you just hang out and a lot of that time is very like it's just like random, but it also just is you're consistently seeing each other, right? Mm-hmm. You might have this same group of people and then you hang out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. When you have a lot more time. Yeah. But then to your point, as we get older, it's like, how can we create consistent times that we see the people that we care about, right? So that community can be built because I think that we underestimate how valuable it is to just see people consistently, exactly. right? Yep. Because you might learn about somebody's dog who has like an issue. And then the next week when you see them again, mm-hmm. you could be like, hey, like what happened with your dog? These are like moments of connection, right? Like you you won't, when you don't see people consistently, it's you're constantly trying to catch up. And you might have a genuine connection with somebody, but if you don't know of their day-to-day life or you don't know what's the key things that are going on, it's hard to build that connection. I actually, one of my cousins here in Austin, she always makes an effort to like hit me up like once a month. she's like hey we gotta put like on the calendar like every month we're gonna hang out like at least one saturday a month and so it's now something that i look forward to right i know that's something we're gonna do together i know that's the time that we're gonna catch up i know that i'll be able to hear about whatever has been going on in her life for the last month right but that intentionality i think when you think about building friendship can be really critical. I like whatever season that you're in, right? The key of being consistent. One other thing we need to remember is just the aspect of like, you're already doing things daily, right? Like you're, or weekly, you're going, if you're going to church each week, you, there's, that's an opportunity right there for community, right? And to me, right. it's like, why just go to church and come back, you know, and maybe do nothing and just wing the evening. If you're going, it's so much easier just to add this one extra little like, layer of like possible community attached to what you're already doing if you're going to church just ask somebody else hey are you going to church today like 
hey, what are you doing after church? You want to go grab a meal? You want to come back home for a game night? It's. I feel like it becomes easier when you're already doing something instead of just like doing something completely random out of the blue, like, hey, uh, we're canceling work today and going to Six Flags. That's so much harder than adding community aspect to like what you're already doing. So if you're going to lunch at work, asking a coworker, do you want to get lunch with me? Like, I just feel like people are more willing to say yes than they are no. Like everyone's waiting for an invite, you know? So it's, if we think about it that way, like if ever, if we just imagine everyone around you is waiting for an invite and it's who's going to be the one doing the inviting. And if you take that burden on yourself as, hey, I see myself, I wouldn't mind if someone said no, but I want to be the one. I feel like you'll yield a much better result than what you think. Our value isn't around whether or not people want to hang out with us. Our value isn't like what we can offer, right? When do you feel, and I, and maybe it does come down to what your wife said, like the things that are like important to you. Mm -hmm. When do you feel like you have made like an authentic connection with somebody where you know, and how do you balance like when it's worth it to continue to pursue a relationship and pursue a friendship? I think it comes down to, I guess, yeah, like the priority, like how much time do you have? Is this new relationship gonna offer anything or give you anything in life? Like, obviously, everyone has value, but maybe not everyone has value to you in this season, you know? So right. like, it's if this new person comes into your life, like, what are they offering you in this season? Are they helping you with something? Are you offering them something in return? Like, how much time is it going to require of you? Can you afford to give this much time to this relationship? Like, is this going to require like a weekly meetup or a weekly phone call to develop this? Because it's different for everyone, right? So like for me, I'm married. I'm in this season of working as a real estate agent, also looking for an HR or a recruiting job. So it's busy for me in this season, right? So if someone new is going to come, like how much time am I willing to invest? And in? unless I really feel like God's calling me to, hey, you need to talk to this person more. You need to develop this relationship more. I feel like I might not go crazy chasing someone down it unless they really pursue it and they're really interested and I feel like they really need it and I feel like I have the time to offer then I'm, I might do it but I feel like it's worth evaluating for each person and discerning hey is this something worth going after right now is this something that's going to yield maybe a long-term a long-term relationship out of this or is this just like a seasonal friend and that's actually something that I really have struggled struggled with in my adult friendship life where I feel like I need to know people extremely deeply and we need to hang out all the time or whatever. And then that's not the season of life that I am in, unfortunately, right? I only have so much energy and I have certain priorities, certain values at this moment in my life. And so I have to be really picky and really think about what is it that I really need from this relationship, this person yep. and, and vice versa. Yep. And so I think one thing that like is like a really important transitional lesson to learn as an adult is that relationships can be like what you craft them to be and what you desire them to be, right? Like you can have your friends that you work out with, right? I have my friends who I love. I love hanging out with them. We work out at the same time. I feel like we build authentic connection. We share things about our lives, right? But I don't ever hang out with them outside of working out ever. And, and it's not because I don't like those people, but because like for this moment in my life, this is the value. This is the moment where I feel like the most authentic connection. I don't have necessarily the space to open up like, you know, another open up and hang out more. Right. Versus like my community group of friends from of like my church group right like my religious kind of hanging out space right our family are like different friends and then I just know that there are certain relationships where I'm willing to like 
make the effort to call this person like once a week or once a month or whatever it looks like. And that stuff really ebbs and flows depending on like where you are in your season of life and like what you need. Right. And I think we have to be really, I think the thing I want to stress for listeners today is we have to be really authentic about and honest with ourselves about like where we are in our lives and like what our values are. Right. Because to your point, we, I think a lot of us, like in this stage of life, we might be grieving the fact that we can't be like best buds with everyone anymore. Right. And I think when we look at like our whole life and we look at all the different things and people and animals and whatever, right. Like our energy, right. Yeah, I know. I, my, my animal is in my support no, system. No, my boy I just too. Wanna... My dog too. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I got to make time for Pickle. She needs, like, her about one hour with her every day. Like, I don't got time for you. For sure. So I think that it's really critical to think about that as we grow up and we see our lives expanding, right? So both Bob and I are ethnically Malayali American, right? We come from immigrant families. I think both Bob and I grew up in, like, culturally Malayali or, like, culturally we hung out with, like, Malayali people, we had like our churches, like our communities, like our families, they all hung out together. Bob, would you say that like for the most part, like you were probably 95, 97% surrounded by brown people like most of your life? Yeah. Like in your like, in your childhood and if you think about it, would you say that was your reality? No, looking back, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't exactly like that for me, but I also didn't grow up in a super Malayali place. I didn't grow up in New York or other places. I grew up in Seattle. I had a lot more ethnic diversity in a sense because there weren't that many Malayalis living near me, yeah, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. But I think one of those things, like when you grow up and you you become an adult and you look at your like community and life, right? Bob, I imagine when you talked about like the, the community your dad built, right? Mm-hmm. When you were kids, it was probably a lot of brown people. At it was. Yeah. A lot of uncles, a lot of aunties, yes, like whatever. A lot of opportunities, <laughs> a lot of homachis, yeah. So like a lot of old people, like this is what it was, right? And so then you look at your adult life, right? And that's not necessarily our reality, right? That we're like constantly surrounded by, you know, the way that we grew up, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're like, there's this community of brown people and whatever. And so something I've been personally reflecting on a lot is just how do I bring that, bring like part of that cultural identity to my kid, right? So like Charles and I are having a kid Mm -hmm. and our... (laughs) thanks exciting very soon so uh i think about what does that look like you know what i mean to provide that cultural diversity that cult that that part of like where i came from right because like when i look at my life right now like it doesn't look like what it looked like for me when i was growing up right and so how have you balanced like your cultural identity right and bringing pieces of what how you grew up and the malayalis that you grew up all of that piece of you into your adult life now and actually even like the experience that you're trying to build for Celine, right? For your kids. So I've, culture has good and bad, right? No culture is perfect, right? Whether it's church culture or our ethnic culture, which is Malayali culture. I feel like no culture is perfect. I feel while there are some bad, sometimes we can be too ethnically exclusive where it's, hey, if you're not Malay, you can't come. You only want to hang out with brown people. And I feel like that's wrong. But there are some good aspects of it where it's, hey, the aspect of gathering is just so highly emphasized. Like, Hey, what are you doing? There's just no excuse. You know, you have to be there. You know, like I feel like growing up, that was just it's just expected, right? I feel like everyone had somewhere to go, like in our ethnicity, in our churches, and in our community. Yeah. So I feel like the good aspects that we can bring is just making that just a reality. Like everything we've talked about so far, just 
initiating and inviting just goes a long way. And it doesn't just have to be Malayali Christians. It could be anyone, but just the aspect of initiating and inviting people to your house. Life is important in homes, I feel. I feel like real growth happens at home. A lot of change can happen inside a home, but sometimes we can get too cared about, hey, I'll see you there. But inviting someone here makes a world of a difference when, like, to the kids. And I feel like as adults, if we make that a priority for your kids to have that experience growing up of like, hey, this is your village that loves you. Like I was saying earlier, this is your village that loves you and supports you. Obviously, not everyone should get access to your house. That goes without saying. Like, obviously, we need to have boundaries as parents, kind of vet people that are coming over. But I feel like as long as you're, you know, you're discerning when you're vetting people well and you trust the people that you're inviting, just giving them unfiltered access into your life, saying, hey, if you're ever in the area, stop by. If, if we ever need help with anything, can we trust you? Can we call you? Like having these kind of conversations with people and slowly like having those kind of moments together expands like the love that you have. It increases the just the just the amount of just life that you're living together, right? For me, I, my experience was like, I think I definitely wanted to run away from being brown. I definitely wanted to like move move away from that and not necessarily hang out with other Malu people. I would say in my early 20s, I wasn't in that scene at all and even and I never will ever be a part of that scene because that's just also just not the way I grew up I've been reflecting a lot on what it means for my kid to speak my language and know other Malayali people and understand who he is in that in relation to that world mm -hmm. I always tell this to Charles I'm like yo like when he comes out he's gonna be brown just like us he's gonna be brown just like us and he's not gonna know anything about who he is and so one of the things I think I really enjoyed as a part of being a part of a culture, like our, like the group that Bob uh, is a part of and that has helped orchestrate and bring together is like predominantly Malayali American. And what's been really cool about that is that it's offered like a space for us to connect. And like we'd celebrated something called Onam, which is a, a Kerala festival that like none of the people in that group actually knew that much about. <laughs> because I don't think any of them grew up celebrating it because whatever. It was really cool because it created like a connection point for us to be able to share in that. And I think that being really intentional and I, and it really does come back to your values at the end of the day is like, how do you want to bring culture to your family? I feel like you understand the value of your own parents once you have a kid. Obviously, maybe we're not as ingratiated in our culture as our parents are. So that's why it's going to be harder for our generation to pass down our Malayali values. Because yeah. if I think about it, looking at my life, I don't know what Malayali like thing, like what's yeah. Malayali about me other than my skin and the fact that maybe I hang out with some Malayali. <laughs> so I feel like my parents have way more of an understanding of Indian culture, Malayali culture, and, and they can pass those things down, like some of those Kerala traditions and things like that more than I can. So I feel like Having the grandparents in the grandkids' life will help us pass some of those values down as well. My husband and I will have conversations about this because we both are Malayali-American. It's what about us is Malayali, right? And, and I think a lot of us carry... A hatred is a strong word, but I would say like distaste for um, our identity because... At least for the group of Malayali, a lot of us grew up like also Christian, like in this like, kind of like community that Bob and I come from, where like culture and religion got mixed together. And so we have a hard time uh, telling the difference between the two, yeah. to be honest, mm -hmm. right? But it, like things that were like maybe like oppressive from honestly a patriarchal like faith perspective got became like a part of like our Malayali identity, right? And so I'm constantly asking myself like what part of me what parts of me do I want to bring? Because 
I personally identify as Malayali and like I want my child to experience that part of who he is because it is who he is, right? And so, and I think it's really hard to suss that out. And I'll say for me, I'm just trying to find like pieces of it that we can bring back. And a good example of this is so my husband's uh, father passed away. It'll be two years in November. And growing up, my I experienced this and so did he. There's like a songbook, uh-huh. right? From one thing you can catch a Malayali doing is singing a song, okay? <laughs> the, we all love to sing and dance. We're not really dance. Yeah, Some yeah, of yeah. us didn't dance. But we sang for sure. Oh, we did sing. <laughs> We sing. We have this songbook from his dad that we keep in our house. And those I would love for, I think about my childhood and some of the things that really I remember so deeply is the songs, singing songs. And my mom and dad still sing songs and probably know all the latest and greatest of Malayalam songs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do I bring that to my kid? And then another thing that I think about is with our family using culturally like the names, like the, so there's a lot of respect built into Malayali culture, right? So like, how can my child call his older cousins who are like little, they're like babies, right? Chichi and Chachin and things like that. Because like my husband's like sisters only refer to him as Chachin, wow. like, which is means brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They literally never refer to him as his name. Like they only call him Chachin. And so that to me is so cool because that is like ethnically part of the community that was that they come from right so i think it's just something to think about like is like how do we also balance that because i think you can have both right like you can have like you said bob the good of it and bring it into the community that you build for sure yeah we control what we bring in so like you have you should be the filter that of what comes into your house right so it's like what do we want to allow is it the names like you're saying Tatin Chechi? is it the dressing like whether it's saris or Munda or different like Indian outfits? Is it the food? Because we all love Indian food. Let's be real, right? Like we love Kerala food. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool things about our culture that we definitely want to pass down. But yeah, it's up to us on what we allow in. At the end of the day, I think we we have to say adult friendship, adult community. It really does come down to our values. So Bob, as we close today, I'd love to just hear from you. What do you think is not fine when you don't have community as an adult? What do you think happens to people when that 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 isn't in place? The biggest things I feel you can feel in those moments is just the isolation, right? I feel like if you don't have community and you're in a season where you're not surrounded by a lot of love or, you know, loving community around you, then you just start like being in your mind a lot, right? You start like maybe talking a little bit more down to yourself. You start being a little bit more harsh of a critic towards yourself. I just feel like our sometimes our voice can tend to be too harsh or too critical and we get all out of whack if we don't have community. Whereas in community, sometimes if you have a trusted group of people, that you give permission to call you out or something. Like if you're thinking weird, they can call you out and say, hey, why are you thinking that way? Like, yeah. why are you thinking this way? Why do you feel this way? You're surrounded by us. And when you're by yourself and in those seasons of loneliness or isolation, those feelings can come into play. And the mind sometimes cannot be trusted where it goes, especially if we're in those seasons of isolation. Thank you so much for being with me today, Bob. It was really cool to hear your perspective as somebody who's built diff- many different kinds of communities. And I'm really glad that we get to share in one, right? And the one here in Austin. I'm honored that you chose me to come on as a guest. And I just want to tell everyone out there, if you ever need advice or any insight into, hey, how can you build community better in your area? This is something I'm really passionate about. So I love talking to people about community. I love like giving thoughts and advice on how you can increase your ability to be a better initiator, better, better leader in your region. 
last night, I sent a text to one of my good friends about how annoyed I was with Charles for not making me dinner. I had a long day at work and all I wanted was to not deal with the mental load of what's for dinner, Rach. I'm lucky enough to have a husband who will cook for me. Well, that is if I plan and schedule and think through exactly what it is that we're supposed to eat that day. These friends were there to remind me that I am not a terrible human being for being frustrated, that my Charles was still a good person, but they could empathize with that current frustration and be a listening ear give insight and perspective when all I really wanted to do was punch him. We all crave friendship, community, and deep connection. And I think for me, sometimes I think back on a time when having those friends, the places to go, the people to see, the things that were happening around me, and now looking at my life and how different it is, I'm like, what happened? And sometimes that doesn't always feel okay. Like, shouldn't my life be more exciting? Shouldn't I have places to go, people to see, people who need me now too? What's so different about me now? This is my personal read on this. The people around us, the people from our histories or our past or even in our present, can love and care for us deeply. I have a ton of stuff going on in their lives that they can't make time or space for other things. You, you can have a lot in your hands that you no longer can create and build the communities and big groups that you used to have. But I think whatever stage of life you are in, making time for a meaningful connection, whatever that looks like for you, a weekly workout class, a walk every two weeks with a good friend, a regularly scheduled monthly hangout, a texting group of friends who see each other maybe once or twice a year. All of these things and all of these ways can create and hold space to fill our grown-up friendship needs. The thing is, for me, I have all of those things listed. I need all of it. But that might not be the same for you. Maybe two or one or none of these things work to fill your friendship cup in this moment of your life. That's okay. My encouragement to you is this. Life is so much better with friends in your corner. Even if you have the best spouse or partner in the world, sometimes you need people around you to see the world from your lens because you have shared history or experience, or maybe you're just trying to grow in the same direction. Either way, it's worth having people in your corner. It has made my life so rich. You deserve that too.